So have you ever eaten elk? I eat elk a lot. Yeah. And do you typically hunt it yourself or do you? I've never hunted it. That's a pretty, that's a pretty extreme adventure. I want to do it, but it's like days in the woods and you have to backpack it out and you it's, you have to, first of all, you're in a lottery for a permit. You can't just go hunt it. And then your, whatever ticket you get will tell you where you can hunt, like what section of New Mexico. Mm. And then, but it's really challenging. You have to backpack it out without it getting eaten, you know? So it's like thousands of pounds of meat. <laughs> I, oh my God. Yeah. I can't even imagine like if you just go solo, you'd have to carry an entire elk all the way home. Yeah. You have to quarter it and take it. You have to take it in parts or maybe if you have a UTV, but usually where you find it, you're not going to be able to get a vehicle back there. Fair. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Bitcoin Q&A. It is week two. We're, we're still here. We're still kicking alive and strong. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for giving us the day off. Uh, it's also nice when you're on your, when you're your own boss and can give yourself the day off too. Yes. Should we dive? Should we set the stage for what we're going to discuss? Yeah, I'm happy to hit the, the three news stories for the day. There's not much going on. We've got the former SEC chair, Jay Clayton. He just reiterated the eventual approval of a spot. ETF for Bitcoin is inevitable. Bullish, definitely agree with him. You know, long-term, it's going to be good for price action. But until it happens, as they keep kicking down the, the can down the road, you know, until mid-October, where they're due to review applications again, it just gives us more time to accumulate at these low levels. I mean, we're sitting at 25.7K for a Bitcoin. Might as well give you the rest of the, we're just over 500 billion in market cap. 3,891 sats per dollar. So outside of that, we have a long weekend of really stable price action. Bitcoin is very much acting like a stable coin right now between 25.5 and 6K for the past three days. CleanSpark, big public miner, released their August 2023 Bitcoin mining update. So we'll dive into that a little bit. We've also got Elon Musk revealed to be secretly funding Doge development. So we're going to shame him for that duly. And three questions we're going to hit today. We can keep those as a surprise. We'll bring them up as we get to them. But I guess first off, Q, did you do anything exciting for your long weekend? Labor Day here? Bro, I'm just packing. I'm moving across the country. Nice. So, I got it. I mean, like literally just absolute mayhem, both in my office and in my bedroom right now. Nice. But do you, do you want to share your adventures into the, do you want yeah. to share your adventures in the wilderness? Sure. Yeah. Went camping, backpacking for three days. It was great. No cell service, no, no distractions, just pure hiking, hot springs, saw some crazy snakes and super aggressive elk and had some fun adventures, brought a bunch of dogs and friends. It was a great time. Didn't think about Bitcoin really much at all. Maybe a couple of campsite conversations about it, but I was surprised or not surprised when I came back, the price was basically exactly the same. Nothing had changed. Nobody <laughs> did anything this long weekend. So. It's almost as though Bitcoin didn't care. Yeah, no. 
does what it's going to do. Path of most pain. And I think most people, a lot of companies at least, are really struggling out there. I mean, we see continued layoffs across the sector. And, you know, this consistent price is just, it's making it tough for people. But I maintain it's a long-term good. I mean, you're going to be happy you could accumulate here. Any new entrants are going to be super happy for the rest of this, the rest of this cycle to pick up these cheap sats. Yeah. I think there's also an aspect too that like we're in the dog days of summer and I'm like, I don't know about you. I know you mentioned you didn't ex exactly talk about Bitcoin. So I'm assuming you weren't necessarily with Bitcoiners, but when I am having conversations with my pre-coiner, no coin or whatever you want to call them friends at this point in time, it's like in the same vein as 2019 before the run up in 2020, almost where like it's for, it's been not necessarily forgotten about, but ignored for so long because it hasn't done anything. It's not the, it's not the sexy thing. It's not, it's just sort of like sitting there. So these are the moments where something crazy happens when you least expect it, but that's just, I don't know, over 12 years of market experience for myself talking. Yeah, I hear you. And that's why it's actually fun to bring up because people are like, what, why are you thinking about, why are you talking about Bitcoin right now? You know, there's nothing going on. It wasn't in the news. It's not in their realm, but you can really point out like, look, the psychology of investing, it's backwards. These are the times you should be paying attention. You should be scooping up Bitcoin and other equities you're interested in. They're cheap and maybe even holding and waiting a little bit because I think things are going to get a whole lot cheaper here soon. So there's ample opportunity on the table here. So I guess to kick things off, we'll start with a, a light story. You know, the Clean Spark 2023 mining update. In August, Clean Spark mined 659 Bitcoin. Their total holdings increased to 1,677. They sold 43 and they've got 88,000 machines deployed. The current hash rate of 9.3 exahashes. So their sale equated to about $1.2 million in Bitcoin sales. And they've got, I think, is it 40 something million? Yeah, 43 million worth of holdings at this time. Let's check. Let's see what CleanSpark's doing today in the market. So this is a uh, sitting decrease in the past week to $4 and 53 cents. I'm going to have about 531. Clean Sparks is one of these interesting plays. I think they're even held by BlackRock. They're cheap. They're dirt cheap. It's one of these miners that you'd expect after the having to appreciate several fold at some point, at least historically in the past, that's what these miners have done. So you see them sitting around here at $3, $4. You know, this is the case of Riot Marathon in the same position last cycle, and they jet up to like 70, or at least over $50. So I think the play here, at least for me, if you're dabbling in equities or Bitcoin related equities is to buy the super long dated call options. And just hold, scoop it up cheap, probably going to get cheaper. You're going to have a little bit of short-term pain, but you know, don't freak out. Just stick to your thesis there. 
not financial advice, but I like to hold on to a lot of these super long dated mining call options and, you know, cycle over cycle, they cash out, you know, a few months after the having, I think we've talked about this before, what you'll see is these miners lose half of their income as the subsidy gets cut in half, their ability to service their debt also gets cut in half. This is where something like ordinal inscriptions are actually a boon for miners because it's a supplemental income. It increases fees on transactions that they're able to take in. And we saw, you know, during, I guess, the heyday of inscriptions, the fees that miners were collecting were equaling and they were even over the block subsidies. It was like more than six Bitcoin in fees on certain blocks, which was just insane. So it can be a huge windfall. I don't know if that's our job as a culture to support the miners and make them as rich as possible. It's always been a very dangerous business with super tight margins, very hard to operate effectively in a long time frame in. So I think we'll see, this is where you'll get that churn is right after this having that debt will send some of these companies into a death spiral. And I think some of those household names come to know and love will disappear depending on their strategy. I think the last note on that is you've also got this funny play where all of them that were holding GPU power, probably for mining Ethereum and other cryptocurrencies, you know, when ETH moved to proof of stake now they're just stuck with all these gpus and some of these miners have decided that they are now ai companies and that they're going to use their extra power to i don't know basically work as server farms for ai which is an interesting play but it's so highly specialized that i have trouble seeing them making the switch smoothly maybe the couple maybe the most well capitalized can do it but it's just such an expensive business. I don't know. What you, have you thought about this at all, Q? So I want to go back for a second and unpack one part of what you said as it pertains to just like the debt level and then the supply shock with the happening. But it is really important if you are looking at miners, both publicly traded or even just like getting involved with pool or whatever, understanding their debt ratio, I think, what was it? What was the no, not compass? What was the one that like shot up and then went bankrupt because they had a crazy amount of debt? I'm spacing on their name right now. Core scientific had a crazy debt level. And then as the price of Bitcoin dropped down, they got hit with all these calls that they had to sell and liquidate everything. To McShane's point, like when the happening happens in April and miners reward is cut in half look there is the whole four-year cycle 18 months after happening we tend to see new all-time highs all of that but that means you have a miner that needs to be able to carry its debt for 18 months with potentially half as much bitcoin coming in so only the most well capitalized managed lowest debt levels are going to be able to survive that elongated period. So that is just one thing that, that is like, for me, that is the number one thing I look at when I look at mining companies, mining stocks now. Everything else genuinely is secondary to that. What their hash rate is, where they're set up, all of that stuff comes after what is your total debt level. For me. Yeah. I mean, it's worth, yeah, it's worth contextualizing. They all have pretty insane debt levels. I mean, no one's part. No one's um, not using debt. So looking, 
Right. You have to look at what that means relative to other miners in saying that because I like off the bat, if you were going to go look up right now, any one of these public miners, you'd be like, what? <laughs> how much? How many millions, tens of millions are they borrowing to purchase these machines uh, or to pay their power bill? But I think the other point to what you said, Q, is important factor for me is also how much Bitcoin do they hold because they're going to need to sell that to service it. They all do it. You're sitting at, you know, off the top here, Marathon is leading the way, 11,466 Bitcoin. Hut 8, a close second, 8,388. You know, Riot's up there too in the 6,000. You have that much Bitcoin, you're going to be able to extend your runway quite a bit beyond the halving, hopefully. Hopefully. Um, did want to just take a second to point out Q's mic's a little funky. Please excuse the sound. <laughs> just it's clicking. I know like other people might you know, say something. So I'm just pointed it out. It's been a long weekend. So we'll fix that up for tomorrow. On these miners, any final notes for now, Q? I mean, do you hold mining equities? Can I ask do you? Do uh, you trading based on the miners? Not currently, no. I was trying to think. I don't have any at this moment in time. But I've been liquidating most of my positions in equities for the better part of the summer. Selling the low. Love it. <laughs> Selling the high on equities. <laughs> yeah, we did get a nice little bump in the last few weeks. In, in case you forgot, we've been up 20% this calendar year. So actually, we're in a bull market in equities. And technically Bitcoin, if you want to use 20%, but I don't think 20% gains in Bitcoin is a bull market personally. I don't think that's enough. I think we can get shaken out if we do that. We don't have enough calls for Bitcoin being dead for it to be a bull market. You know, that's when people start predicting that it's over. So should we move on to our second, pretty much a non-story here. The former SEC chair, Jay Clayton, I think he was in office there from 2017 to 2020, something like that. But, you know, he said the approval of a spot ETF is inevitable. Q, what do you think? I mean, how long can the SEC keep delaying this decision? I mean, they're going to go as long as possible, but ultimately, to your point, like, it's a non-story because, yes, ev eventually it will happen, just like eventually Bitcoin will be global money. Like, these things are inevitable. As lame and simple as that is you're seeing a call and the clues are the fact that the big black rocks fidelity these big money managers are getting involved because their clients are asking for this product and they want some exposure to this so whether we like it or not those are the people who make the decisions that the rest of us have to deal with and it, they are sending the signals that they want in on this they don't want in on it from self, from a self custody standpoint. So for individual Bitcoin holders, this is ac excellent news. It's just, it's going to be a long drawn out process. When you say Bitcoin is, will become global money and that's inevitable. What do you mean? We're looking at Brits right now, try to form a new joint currency against the dollar where none of these countries are actual allies. They are. They are inevitable comrades based more on a mutual enemy than they are on mutual success. 
and inevitably someone will fuck over the other and they will lose trust and faith in whatever this shared currency as a means of international trade, it will go by the wayside and they will inevitably have to be using something like Bitcoin where no, none of them can sort of manipulate control for their benefit, twist, use against someone else. And as those dominoes fall, so too will the power of the dollar opinion. But in America, we will be the last to realize and know it. Hmm. I don't know if that quite answers my question of how Bitcoin isn't Bitcoin already global money. Yeah, but it's not. That's what I'm pushing. What do you mean by global money? Like used on a. I'm going to rephrase because I was going to say used on a day to day basis, but I know there are people who use it on a day to day basis. But I would say used on a day to day basis, basis by a significant minority of the population. It doesn't need to be 50% of the world, but it needs to be like a five to 10% of global transactions are occurring using coin and we are not there. No, that would be huge. I don't know if it's, I'm scared to say it's inevitable, but I'm excited that you're that bullish. That sounds awesome. What's the time frame for this? When do you think we would cross that threshold? Like the five to 10%. Global usage, yes, yeah, crossing five percent. You're gonna hate my answer to this. Are you gonna say 2025? <laughs> no, I'm gonna say like 20 years. Oh, yeah, I, I think this will be long. Like, I'm in the camp, and this is an unpopular opinion. Oh, he's bearish, roast me, roast me on whatever social media platform is your choosing, but. The real future that like so many of us dream about as it pertains to Bitcoin, I don't think we'll even start to see it until I'm a grandparent. Like I'm, I'm talking like 40, 50 years from now. I know, right? I'm a bear. I, I'm a bear. You know, I'm thinking the future that I see with Bitcoin, like I'm already living. I mean, sure. I, I already, but if you surround yourself with Bitcoiners, I mean, working in Bitcoin, trading for goods and services in Bitcoin, holding in Bitcoin, you really benefit from the price appreciation now early. So you can have hyper Bitcoinization at home. You know, we already have hyper Bitcoinization at home. We, I'm not really that concerned with what the rest of the world wants to do with their time and money. I think I'm, I'm with you. I think it's going to take a lot longer than people predict. I think, especially in the bull market, you're going to watch predictions shift. Oh, it's going to happen in two years. We're going to be over half a million this cycle. Get the fuck out of here. And the the fact that uh, we, you know, it'll happen, man. 200K by conference day, that kind of stuff. That's that's adorable. I mean, I I want to be that bullish, but it's not, that's not reality. We have so far to go for people to be able to use Bitcoin without just like complete completely being lost and scared and like the people i was talking to today about it they're like yeah to be honest i bought some how do you move it and use it they just don't it's not intuitive enough we've got to make the process easier let me ask you this genuinely like Mm -hmm. i know that if you want to there are a lot of goods and services that people are willing to accept bitcoin for but as someone who tries to live fully off of bitcoin like 
what are some of the limitations? Like, where is it where you're, I, I'm stuck on the fiat rails for this. I don't try to live fully off Bitcoin. I think there's a massive strategic advantage in holding some fiat and using fiat. I think a lot of the people that are telling you, I live fully off Bitcoin, fiat is the worst evil that's ever, I mean, yeah, it's terrible, but it's also technology that works. I mean, I don't know about you, but I like to travel and I buy my airline tickets with fiat. It's very convenient. I buy my gas with fiat. It works super well for that. I don't, there's a lot of LARPing going on. I use fiat every day. I don't, I'm, but I don't hold that much of it. I'm not, you know, just a little bit at a time. I like to have the most exposure to Bitcoin that I can have, but I'm not anti, like, I'm not going to inconvenience myself to the level of just like rejecting fiat completely. That would be insane. Access to fiat debt is a great way to accumulate more Bitcoin. So let me think of how to answer your question. For one, there are very few goods and services that are priced in Bitcoin where you can actually go and pay. It's a pain in the ass to go. You have to go seek them out. Or there's kind of these cute workarounds. You go buy some gift cards online and then spending gift cards. It's all too, it's all too cumbersome and annoying. I don't, you know, you can get cash back in Bitcoin on all your purchases from some of these companies. It's interesting. There's all kinds of like payments companies that are coming out, but I'm not these are not life-changing experiences. These are for like a die-hard niche group of Bitcoin lunatics, basically. I mean, lolly everywhere. Work. Ever since lollies, you love your lolly catchback. Like this is yeah. this is terrible opsec, but the lolly changed their system. So now instead of like only when you could get Bitcoin cash back on online purchases, and then they have like the Chrome extension or whatever, mm-hmm. you can link your credit card because they want like all of your spending data to do God knows what with, but I'm like, give me my free sets. You'd have my spending data on this credit card. I don't give a fuck. Lolly rugged. I remember in the bull market, they came out, they did the Uber thing where it's like, you get all these sets and then the realities of the market hit in. They're like, you get like one or two sets a day, maybe <laughs> See, <laughs> everyone's waking up, clicking their app every day. It's, and then you can't even withdraw. Like when you go to withdraw, it doesn't work. Yeah, oh, I fu- dude, I got, I actually got sats off of Lolly. It's full that I have to get sats off of. Yeah. Yeah. I don't care about either of these services. They, they just incentivize more fiat spending. I'm not interested in it. It's it, you'd be better off just getting a job and working in Bitcoin than the, you know, a hundred, like however many minutes you spend, like playing around with these apps a day, spinning the wheels, extra wheel, like just get a job, just work. Hey man, let me poop in peace. All right. <laughs> I will say, yeah, like, whatever. Like Lolly, when I fill up gas, like I go to Costco, Lolly has Costco as a partner. And so like, mm. I'm already going to go get gas at Costco. I'm already going to sit in that giant ass line at Costco waiting to, to, for my turn to fill up the gas tank. So activate my Costco reward, get my 25 cents of Bitcoin, because that's the like limit for almost every single one of these partners, no matter what it says, all oh, 3%. Bitcoin back. No, read the five brand. It's usually only 25 cents. Yeah. That to me, these are not companies that are changing the world. Okay. These are not the goods and services that I give a shit about at all. I care about easier onboard experience, like wallet infrastructure, education, you know, something like Sparrow. 
super hard for normal people to use. You can definitely make that argument, but this is, uh, you know, software that, I mean, it gives people the ability really seamlessly to be their own bank and to work and coin join in peace at home. It's that's the kind of thing that's life changing for many people as it spreads. Um, you know, watching the mutiny project grow has been super exciting. Of course, I go on and on about things that are happening on Nostr. Now, when you see st some of these, like, these are like a part of the puzzle. These are like a, a feature. These, you know, this lolly. These are kind of reiterations of the fiat system happening on Bitcoin, which is interesting. You might say that's a course shifting kind of innovation, but it's not an invention. It's not as powerful as something like Nostr, which could actually change the course of freedom of speech for humanity. So you need these things to all integrate and you need more competition in the market to push these companies to, to do better and to improve their experience and to onboard more users. So I think it'll be interesting to see when we really start. It'll be interesting when we start to see uh, marketplaces pop up on Nostr, like really un-disenfranchisable marketplaces that the government can't regulate or shut down very easily at all, as well as crowdfunding opportunities, as well as, I mean, inevitably casinos for better or worse, a lot of tools are going to pop up there that I think push things further in the direction we want to go, which is, hey, people stop making the trade-off for convenience over privacy and start to you know, care about your online footprint and your identity and start to use kind of NIMS and start to use Bitcoin and learn how to use it at home and self-custody. I mean, I'm going on and on, now, but I think you get the point. I think there's more, I guess I'm saying, I think there's just more important things to worry about today than getting a couple cents back on my purchases in fiat. Yeah. All that said though, if Lolly or Fold wants to sponsor Bitcoin Q&A, we welcome you with open arms despite everything McShane just said. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, will that, it, it will not change my opinion though. Yeah. So I'm trying to, th yeah, to answer your question, I think, I think making the onboarding experience is like the best thing we can do, making it so that people aren't scared to use Bitcoin and w so that withdrawing from Coinbase or wherever they're getting their Bitcoin, first of all, we need them to get their Bitcoin from better exchanges, ideally non-KYC at some point. Like we need to make that process a lot smoother and easier and intuitive. But getting their Bitcoin from Strike to a self-custodial wallet needs to be more seamless, less scary, less freaky looking hardware devices that they're like, what do I do with this? If I lose this, I'm screwed. You know, the hard part is also just coming to terms with the reality that most people are going to be captured. Most of their Bitcoin is not going to be there. It's going to be held by trusted third parties. Which is a shame, but at the same time, there's like this double-edged sword of it benefits all of us to spread adoption in that way too. And that seems to unfortunately be the path that we're headed toward. We don't care that it's spot. We don't care that all this Bitcoin's captured. Let the states have it. Let the banks have it. Let the big corporations buy it all up. It's going to appreciate what little Bitcoin we as individuals have. So therefore, it's good for Bitcoin. So be careful what you cheer for. Last story of the day. Most exciting, perhaps, Q. Elon Musk funding Dogecoin development. Surprise. I don't think, I think this came out. His biographer, Walter Isaacson, you know, has been following him around for, I think, like years working on this thing and uh, revealed in an excerpt that he'd been quietly funding it. I find it hilarious.
Musk is really stuck in this. I think it's almost like an ethical dilemma where he pumped this technology that's complete bullshit vaporware. Millions of people probably went and bought it after that and are probably still holding it with hope just that he'll mention it and the price will appreciate due to their unit bias, their kind of confusion about the economics of this protocol. They think they'll suddenly become billionaires like Elon Musk. And, you know, it's never going to work out like that. People lost massive amounts of money since 2020 with Musk kind of fucking around cryptocurrencies, promoting them. So I think he's like stuck in his lie a little bit. I mean, it's it's not a lie. It's, it's his truth, whatever. But I think he's just kind of stuck trying to continue to give a little bit of value to this community. I don't know what even this means. As far as I know, there are like no active developers working in Dogecoin, but maybe there's one or two now. I don't know what exactly they're optimizing for. You know, uh, relinquished uh, absolute scarcity. I mean, when you've parted ways with Bitcoin, that, uh, it's... There's not really a redeeming quality. It's never going to catch up, right? His understanding of how that just doesn't align with reality. I don't know. What do you, what do you think, Q? Why, why is Elon funding Doge development? Besides the fact that he's obviously going to make it uh, part of Twitter or X. <laughs> I, I think that, like the, the Twitter stuff is... I don't think Doge will be the only payment processor, layer, network, whatever you want to call it, like... Visa and MasterCard will still have their tentacles all over Twitter's payment as well, I anticipate. And if you follow Elon and this space at all, I don't think this is surprising in the slightest. Uh, I don't think this is the first time he's done this either, actually. I think that this is, this is something that he was openly tweeting about, I believe, a couple of years ago. So not, it, it is a non-story. Should I be saying that since it's our, like, it, it just, if it would be more of a story to me, if he was actually funding a different project, you know what I mean? If like his biographer came out and was like, you know, Elon was spending all this money paying the developers of Solana or working on Litecoin secretly because he's never well, pub. Isn't Dogecoin merge mined with Litecoin? I have no, like, the I don't, I don't think you mind Do Dogecoin. I think it's merged mind with another protocol, and I think it might be Litecoin. So, like, so out of my <laughs> desires of learning, I, I couldn't tell you. And with a straight face, you, I have no interest in knowing. Genuinely. You're telling me you're, you're not holding on to massive Doge and sheep bags, hoping that Elon tweets? I'll, I'll admit Remember when he changed the, the Twitter logo to, to, to Doge. Dogecoin? Yeah, that was hilarious. And I think it's I think it's a disservice to just everyone. It just shows that he's kind of this loose cannon troll. But it, like at the same time, to be fair, I, most people will never understand what it's like to be that famous and powerful. And there's no playbook for how to behave. I mean, he's not operating under any kind of ethical guidelines, really. So... That's the frightening part. It would just be better to see someone a little bit more in it for the good. It's just kind of what is fun and easy. And, you know, he hasn't really put in the work to understand Bitcoin, Lightning. People freak out and say, oh, what do you mean? He's a genius. It's like, yeah, well, most of that stuff is fabricated. Like most of his career and PR makes him up to be this person. Like if you go by his actual actions and what he says, it's very clear he doesn't, under he, pick one, doesn't understand Bitcoin, 
or is a bad actor fleecing just, retail? I think he just doesn't understand. Because, like, Sailor's even gone out of his way to yeah. reach out to him, have conversations. Like, he's had the opportunities. I think it's a blend of a lack of understanding, but it, that comes from a lack of desire. Because he is t- the type of person where if he wants to learn something, if he wants to figure it out, Elon Musk has the mind to figure it out. To be fair, though, the difference in wealth between Michael Saylor and Elon Musk is about the same as between, like, you and I and and Michael Saylor. You know what I mean? Like, in terms of scale, so him reaching out to Elon is like, who? Elon just hangs Yes, man, there's no one on his playing field, you know, he's going to kind of have, have dinner with. He's, he's out there, you know, playing poker with people he like or defer, defer. He's out, like, I don't think there's anyone there reading him hard truths or telling him like, whoa, man, what you're doing with Doge is pretty dicey. It's the same. Solano, I think they probably get like their most PR from something like the All In podcast, Chamath, uh, and the other Sachs. guys. Yeah, David Sachs, uh, Kalkanis, Friedberg, they were all pumping Solano for a long time. Oh, you know, oh, oh my God. I respect David Friedberg. He actually like does not do any of that shit. And, and specifically... Sachs and Chamath that are like whales, Solana whales who were pumping the price up, trying to trade amongst each yeah, other. Calcanus, maybe. Yeah. I mean, but we got receipts I mean, on let's like, Twitter. We got receipts. Well, they're all guilty by association. Nobody stopped it. Nobody said, guys, what you're doing is, you know. Like, I would point out a difference between what they're doing and what we're doing. If if we had any audience, if anyone was listening at all, the difference would be that we don't really benefit from you buying Bitcoin. And we also have no direct influence over the protocol. And we don't have any insider information into, like, who developed it. Or, uh, you know, we have as much power as anyone else in the network. So we can't change the protocol. Those guys could say, hey, Solana Foundation, we're going to make, we're going to give you a, you know, a billion dollars. But you're going to change the protocol so that our stake is outsized or something whatever that it falls apart all the time the point is uh centralization versus distributed tech and like free and open source tech that can have you know is acting in good faith in the light of day um this is not dogecoin this is not so so yeah i think there's there's not much happening in bitcoin right now which is exciting and uh this is the best time to be picking it up and uh holding for the long term and updating security and revisiting and threat or your setup what do you think you this is this is the opportunity to be you know diving into certain rabbit holes that maybe intrigue you interest you this, these are the do- the dog days of summer the dog days of the bear market when shit picks up it'll happen really fucking quickly and you won't even realize what's happening when it does so I call, I, my challenge I, to everyone is, you know, find an aspect of Bitcoin that you haven't grasped, pertain or done. Like for me, this bear market, it was like, let's run out. Let's, let's actually deny it. I, a couple months ago, started, started running my own node. So a Bitcoin I could node? Do, yeah. No, actually it's Solana node. <laughs> I didn't know they uh, had nodes. Um, that's wait, awesome. What? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, that's great. Chamath sent me a thank you card too. He was like, thanks for pumping my bags. 
No, I said uh, that's a great advice. Like it's a good time for goals, but it's also kind of got to get to work here because uh, we've only got 200 odd days until the halving and it starts to get priced in pretty quickly after that, a little bit quicker every year, if I remember correctly, that six to 18 month window where you see the APEC, you know, might come early. But basically, if you don't have anything in place now to start accumulating more Bitcoin, you know, a side hustle, an extra job, this is the time to double down renew efforts to uh, capitalize on that and get as much as you can. I mean, it's dirt cheap, unclear if it'll ever be cheaper. I think we'll probably go down a little more, but it doesn't really matter what I think. Can't read the future. So, yeah, it's a great time to start any projects or step into the space if you're not working in bitcoin there's a lot of talent floating around it's like pretty hard to get a job in the sector a lot of a lot of layoffs but if you can kind of have even good faith volunteering and start to network those efforts compound and uh really prove themselves out in the bull market so it's you know the time is now act now acquire now mix now you know we hit clean spark already right we hit clean spark. We're done with the news. There's no news. Uh, Bitcoin is flat. Let's let's dive in because we got about 20 minutes left on our Bitcoin Q and A questions. Even though, like, honestly, Tino, I'm very sorry, but we answered like six questions about Bitcoin uh, in this episode. So, yeah, honestly, my bad. <laughs> You're good. What's the what are the questions? Read them. All right. Let's go. Why does Bitcoin culture lean so heavily into personal health slash personal responsibility? I will let you start with that one, Alex. I'll go. Oh, man. This is actually a good one. Good job, Tino RQ, whoever came up with this one. Tino. I think there's two reasons. I think one thing happens when you start to hold Bitcoin over the course of years and cycles. Weird things happen. So you get this super price appreciation which can benefit you. Maybe you have more income than you ever had in your life. Maybe you have more savings. Maybe you didn't fuck it up. Maybe you sold the top and you're just sitting on massive amounts of cash. I guess by way of personal example, I didn't really have any money or any savings. I lived like very much hand to mouth for about a decade. Despite working, I mean, lots of jobs, lots of hours put in, double time, you know, two, three side jobs. There's just no way to save. I think a lot of Americans feel this way um, because... Our money's depreciated, uh, things are inflated in price and it's hard to do and you, you're just subject to so many taxes and fees and it's just kind of hard to get a leg up. So when you start saving in Bitcoin, if you make it over the course of a cycle and you make it through a bull market, you know, with your, your meager savings intact, you're going to get a, a bump up for the first time in your life and experience what it's like to invest and save in something besides the US dollar and banks. Like a lot of people default to, it's kind of the way we're raised thinking like, oh, I store my money in the bank. So that leads, um, changes in what food you can afford to eat, for example. So if you have already, I think you have to come a little bit pre-packaged with some aspirations to kind of change and upgrade your lifestyle. I mean, I think a lot of people, you see this all this like, uh, crypto people make massive amounts on a pump and dump or even Bitcoin people making massive amounts throughout a cycle and then they kind of blow it all. There is that side to it, but the other side is like most of us have goals that are maybe just out of reach and the the little bit of freedom and wiggle room Bitcoin could give you over a long enough time period uh, will allow kind of set new goals as you accomplish your old ones. Maybe you have more free time to go to a gym. Maybe you can afford a gym membership now. 
with your Bitcoin savings and you couldn't before. And so, you know, you start to promote and the whole, the whole principle behind like alleviating trust in third parties, you know, taking Bitcoin into your own hands is self-improvement financially. So I think the cultural effects, the ripple effects downstream are kind of naturally occurring. Um, but I also think there's, there's this, these other cultural dynamics at play where there, you know, you've got like the whole cycle. There's a lot of personalities and people that come to prominence in Bitcoin through talking about it and happening to catch a big bull cycle. Uh, so they blow up their follower counts, maybe blow up. Um, they become somewhat famous in this niche community, really well known. And then something funny happens where Bitcoin gets like a 75% drawdown. Uh, you know, you're sitting here on a podcast with your buddy Q and you've got like two viewers <laughs> and uh, you're wondering what you're doing with your life. And so what? it's the truth. And then what happens is people can't like mentally take that pressure. They can't stick to the program. They can't get kind of like iterate and improve and just save and stick. They start to freak out. They start to lose their minds. They start to tweet like really crazy shit and they start diversifying and spreading their wealth all over the place. And like, basically they expand to become gurus of everything. I mean, you saw this, for example, like uh safety and Amos, really good example, you know, caught a really good cycle, got a like really popular kind of interesting book about money and a little bit about Bitcoin, uh, became a huge face, but then it turned out over like kind of no new thesis, nothing new to say about the technology really kind of starts expanding to guru status, writing the same book over and over again. Suddenly this is an expert in cooking, expert in health and fitness, expert in how to behave online, you know, expert in how to be alpha male, like all the, like you can't be experts in all these things. Um, I think it's very clear that a lot of people speaking on these subjects are not like, just like kind of walking, um, paradoxes and it's not to call out Bitcoin community and it's not to call out people with aspirations to do better, but I think you have to be very careful who you follow into the space and who you look to uh for leadership and who you're looking to for like your bro health and fitness advice i mean are these people even fit is this a nim you don't even know if this person's in shape and they're telling you you know proving you you, you diets i think it's so to be clear i think it's a function of the bear market where it's like ah fuck the world isn't interested in bitcoin anymore what else can i pretend Talk. to be an expert in yeah yeah what else can i get attention for and it's like yeah that's not how down markets work there's nothing you're not interesting enough you know you're not an expert enough you're not enough to change the tides of the market on your own so i think just kind of spread themselves thin because it's hard it's hard to stick to your thesis it's hard to stay in your lane it's hard to be an expert on one thing let alone many so it's really the time to just double down in bitcoin i guess be my my take so it's twofold. I might've leaned a little hard into the negative sides of it, where it's just like this weird influencer culture of like kind of broaden and try to drag net. But you do see a lot of fair weather Bitcoiners out there. You know, you see the, the, the pomps of the world that are completely when the, when the cycle crashes, but that are otherwise, you know, when, when we're in a bull market, they're like the Bitcoin boy, you know, they're just going and then when the, it stops being shown on mainstream media, they go back to, I'm going to broaden to equities in general, financial advice, maybe personal health advice. Maybe I'm going to tell you how to be a 
a trad dad or like, a, you know, a, a stay-at-home mom or something. You know, you see all these weird subcultures that pop up in the bay. It's just, it's just due to, to boredom, really. You know, you don't have, you, your interests aren't sustaining you through the bear in a way that's, or maybe they are. I mean, I don't know. Health and per personal responsibility are, they're interesting. They're so broad, right? And everyone has their own kind of niches within them. Q, why, why do, why is the Bitcoin culture so obsessed with uh, eating meat and uh, vague forms of exercise? So I'm just going to say right now, I think like all of the Bitcoiners who are hardcore carnivores, like are at risk of gout in 30 years. Like that is still a disease. Okay. That, like that's a, that is a legitimate thing that happens to a lot of people in the world that's due to high red meat diets and not a balanced diet. My issue, I'll, I'll start first with my issues, but then I'll explain like how we got here. My issue is that sometimes it's so hyper-focused that it then overlooks like the other side of the coin. Like, dude, I know I am not like the fucking prototype of a clean living. Like I use nicotine. I smoke cigarettes. I, I smoke pot. Like I'm not someone you should look to as clean, healthy living by any stretch of the imagination. But then you have people, and I will always use Joe Consorti and disparage his name in these examples. Um, you can't be a seed oil disrespectful, disrespecter, and in the same breath, chug monster energy drinks. Like, it, it is a lazy take because the whole point of being a seed oil disrespecter is this is a highly processed oil that you don't want to take. But then on the other side of the coin, you're going to drink highly processed sugars as though those are acceptable and fine. And the, like the reason why I agree with the like anti-seed oil movement in general is because I'm very anti-processed foods. Look, I'll still have Taco Bell once in a blue moon because I'm a human being and Taco Bell's designed to taste good. I also realize that as I'm eating it, it's not like I'm going out of my way. But, but the question is, why does the culture lean so heavily into getting this there. niche Get, Getting there, getting there. So the reason why we care is it, it's all about time preference. To what we talked about earlier, like we don't expect Bitcoin to really cement itself and to be what we aspire it to become as far as whatever, I don't want to use the vague terminologies that I tend to use here, but you get what we were talking about earlier. For us to get there, we have to take care of ourselves. There's no point in being in this space, caring about a high time preference, sorry, low time preference, um, money, savings, and goals. If you're not going to take care of yourself, if you're just going to be a fat slob who has a heart attack by age 30, then what is the point of you stacking sats and, and waiting humbly for a bull market? Like you need to take care of yourself in order to actually reap those rewards. And I think there's a, a realization that happens somewhere along the way. There's also an aspect of it where once you shatter the reality of fiat that most of us have grown up within, it takes some time for some people, but others immediately start asking the question of, well, what else? What else have I been lied to about? What else have I been misled? What other information maybe is being manipulated for 
some business entity or some industry's advantage over my own healthness and well-being and things like health, wellness, and your diet are at the core of our day-to-day lives. So I think there, there's that aspect to it that really feeds into, hey, if you're in this, you're not in this for, oh, it's going to pump in two years time and then I'm out and I'm on to the next thing. Maybe you are, and there are plenty of people who are, but I think overall, the fact that we're not looking in two years, we're looking in 20, 30, 40 years, we're also thinking about how do I get there? How do I make it 40 years from now? Yeah, I think the concise answer, I went super skeptical on mine, but I think I definitely agree with you. Part of the time preference, it actually changes you as a person a little bit uh, when you do have the ability for the first time to save kind of hold money equity ethically uh, contribute to your own personal wealth you start to look to ways to contribute to it uh, look to other ways to uh, contribute to that and to extend that learning and those less of kind of low time preference steady consistent kind of iterative efforts into things so it's only natural it's only natural to try to think you know how else can i improve myself let's look at diet let's look at exercise I'm more skeptical and kind of laughing, the sometimes kind of hypocritical influencer side of it, where it's like, who is this person telling me to eat? Who are, who are these frail vampire, like kind of people, the, the Jordan Petersons of the world giving me health advice. I think there's, there's like a time and a place for it. I think it's like pretty interesting and fun that we do this culturally. Um, it definitely rounds out the, the Bitcoin movement into more of something you know, a religion and even cult like this. And it's, it's really fun to have these cultural kind of quirks, but they're not ultimately what matters to me. What matters to me is people can do whatever they want with their money and their time. That includes eat trash and McDonald's all day if that's what they want to do. You know, other people's decisions don't have me. I don't, I don't care if you use cast iron or steel your, your steaks, or if you're uh, Bitcoins for all of these people. And I think it actually hurts us in some ways to you know, repel all the vegetarians, vegans of the world, the lefties would become this really kind of right wing, anti-commie alpha male culture, which is great for the individuals who are benefiting from kind of the good parts of that lifestyle. But I think it also definitely drives people away and makes it hard for mainstream companies to take Bitcoin seriously, makes them hard hard for them to invest in something they see as this right-wing kind of extremist movement. Um, and it's a shame that the two, uh, these things get confused. It's like super, you know, that just food and exercise, something like that can be politicized. Just choosing to eat meat somehow, your just personal decision to only eat meat affects other people. And you're, now you're suddenly, you know, some kind of right-wing nut job or something. I mean, yeah. let's, let's be really honest about one thing though. Huh? This is a cult. There is a cult of leaders, right? So she's a cult leader. Or just it's one person. Mm. That's it. I think it falls under religion when you have this kind of mythical. Nobody knows who it is. They're not. We're not getting active instructions. I think we have a a working cult leader who's kind of preying on the, you know, on the people. It's close cult. It. it it can feel like it at some, like when you come to it a is, fucking it conference. Feels very, it feels very culty. Let's, let's just be. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Dude, when you see someone walk up at a conference for the first time wearing like bright orange high heels or bright orange suit or something. Yeah, 
what is this? What? <laughs> this doesn't matter to anybody. It. I think the flip. I think what we need is more broader representation of people and not diversity for diversity's sake, but I want to hear from more voices with different points of view instead of people just mimicking each other in like an echo chamber. And the people that have different approaches to life are too afraid to speak out because they'll be laughed at or canceled. You see it time and time again. You see Bitcoin start to cancel each other. and This is not healthy for any the, the diametric opposite what we're here for. All right, we got two minutes. Can we answer two more questions in two minutes? Do you trade Bitcoin? Yes, but trade only as much as you're willing to lose would be my short, quick answer. Alex, do you want to add to that one? Yes. Um, I, I think everyone makes trades in Bitcoin by virtue of buying some is, that is trading. You're trading your fiat for Bitcoin. But yeah, I trade on shorter and longer time preference as well. And maybe I've had dumb luck. Up overall, feel pretty confident about my strategy. Um, but I'm also willing to take the risk, like you said, if I lost it all, eh, so be it. Stay humble, though. Stay humble. All right. We hit that one. Let's hit one more. What happens if the internet or electricity goes out? Um, you got a lot of problems other than the fact that you can't access your... That's, that's just number one. Uh, I don't even know how I let this question get in there. You can't send Bitcoin via radio and you can hold Bitcoin by virtue of using some. The problem that you have is, what do you mean? If all the electricity everywhere goes out, like... Let's say there's a solar flare. Solar flare knocks out all the electricity on planet Earth. And we are entering on Mad Max days. Then you better have a lot more guns than you have Bitcoin. Uh, you're going to need them. Like, you're, yeah, you're entering the road era apocalypse. I mean, yeah. <laughs> your Bitcoin is going to be worthless. Your fiat's going to be worthless. You think Everything your you do card like, is going to be helpful here? You think you're no, I mean. <laughs> no, I'm laughing at like the people. There might be some. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There might be some. The gold argument there. I mean, that might be seen as valuable by some kind of tribes that ride some cannibalist types that, that emerge out of like an electricity free world. I mean. I think people will get generators and things working in pretty short order, but the problem is you don't have a network anymore that is achieving consensus through nodes. You, yes, you can send Bitcoin over radio, but that cannot be the majority of the network. You have to have a way to broadcast transactions. You'll still technically own Bitcoin. You can hold it by just, just holding it, but yeah, it's over. If the electricity goes out, it's over, but that's a silly reason not to, if that's the justification, like when people use that, the quantum argument, as justifications for not buying it, I'm like, that is a total whataboutism bullshit argument. Like, you might not even, like, why would you even get out of bed today if that's the way you look at the world, you know? <laughs> fair. Totally fair. I, my whole thing is just like, dude, most of you guys don't hoard enough cash, guns. You wouldn't be prepared for that environment to begin with. So it's a... Yeah. Yeah. Like, you're not prepared for it in other circumstances anyway. So why are you worried about it in this circumstance? The fact you didn't prep hard enough. You didn't listen to the maxis and eat enough meat and you, you know, you'd be a soft little vulnerable bunny and the pretty short time span after the electricity went out. It's hard out there. How do we want to close this down? Yeah, we did it. We're, it's kind of a rough long weekend, low news, but we'll be back tomorrow with some new questions, new direction. 
We'll see what happens here. Pretty exciting time. Pretty happy to all. just buy it. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you all for joining us. Keep stacking. Stay humble. We'll be back tomorrow. Enjoy yourselves.